What's going on, everybody? My name is Sean Pitcher. I am your host of Roots Podcast. This is episode number four. Today, we have on the call Diamond Hall, who is a leadership coach at ING Academy. Diamond, super excited to have you on today. And I appreciate you having me on, Sean. It's good to see you again. You too. It's been quite a while. Yeah. All right. So first thing I want to ask Diamond, like I ask every single person is, Diamond, who are you behind the roots? Like who yeah. are you behind a leadership coach or yeah. someone that's had experience working with players at multiple levels, high school, college, yeah. and the pro level? Yeah. Um, it's interesting. When people see a title, they automatically think like that's who that person is. Um, you know, sometimes people say, you know, Diamond's a life coach, Diamond's a mental skills coach, Diamond's a leadership coach. But for me, when you ask about the roots, I consider myself three things. Number one, a lifelong learner, somebody who's always looking to learn and looking to grow. Number two, a lifelong achiever, somebody who's always setting targets for the future so that I can continue to become the best version of myself. Number three, I'm a lifelong contributor, somebody who's always looking to give to the person or people who are in front of me. That's awesome. And I agree with all those different things, right? Like we have to be able to continue to be, have a growth mindset, be open to learn from not only people that may be just coming in the field, but also people yeah, that yeah. are at high levels as well, be yeah. able to absorb the information, take it, and then see how we can essentially be able to yeah. use it not only for our personal <clears throat> growth, but then also be able to apply it to others, which in this case is, is the athletes that we work with on a day in and day out basis. Absolutely. And to that, to that point too, Sean, it's like, there are three stages in my mind. There are three stages that you know, you should focus on as a professional. And I focus on personally, it's learn the information, live the information, and then you can lead the information. One problem that I see inside of many industries is that people are learning things, but then they skip over to leading it without actually living it inside of their own world. And I feel like that's where the conviction, people always like, Diamond, where's the confidence and where does the conviction come from? It comes from me actually learning the things that I teach and then putting them into practice inside of my own life and then going, going and leading them with other people who I teach and other people who I come across. Yes. And it's like, we look like sometimes in, you know, the university setting when we're going to college, yeah. you know, we're just kind of getting books thrown at us. It's like here, study the exactly. book, read the book, learn the book, take a test. You know, yep. did you know the information from the book? Okay. Well, that's great. You had a, you got an A plus and all five of your classes got a 4.0, but if you yeah. don't have any ability to essentially directly apply that information into practice, Exactly. And, and to a point where coaches and players and other staff can actually understand and then apply it, then all the Absolutely. information you learn and all those fancy degrees and credentials like really aren't going to get you very far if you can't do much with it. Exactly. And I think when you talk about the educational industry, it's interesting. Like if that were if that were part of the curriculum, part of the process, like, hey, you're actually going to study these things, but then you're going to put them into practice and then. I'm going to test you out on how you did with that specific with that specific test and how you put it into practice. Like I think that would create much much better practitioners in whatever field we're talking about because, like you said, it's hey, I'm going to throw these books at you and then then you're going to go and lead it. You're going to go inside of the industry. You're thrown into the fire. Rather than I'm going to throw these books at you, I want you to put every single one of these theories and practices into practice. See what works. See what doesn't work, and then go and lead it. Yeah. And it's, you know, kind of very similar with nutrition, right? Where it's like, you go and take your nutrition degree, you get your credentials. Yeah. It's like, in, in this specific niche with sports nutrition, like until you actually get into the thick of things and intern and do it yourself, like there's a lot of stuff that's not going to be taught yeah. from those situations until you actually start doing it. So kind Absolutely. of get to, to get into that next question is, 
Yeah. You know, if we, if we look at leadership, right. Yeah. I, don't, I don't know if there's many, many schools, universities that quote unquote have a nope. leadership coach. I mean, you have leadership, like people that are above, yeah. let's say a performance department that run athletics, but can you kind of give us an insight? Like what is a leadership coach or what is, what does that role entail? Absolutely. So it can entail so many different things for me as a leadership coach, I'm focusing on helping our student athletes to become better communicators on and off the field, helping them to become better leaders inside of the arena and outside of the arena. Because I mean, if you think about it, leadership is always taking place. Leadership is influence. It's always taking place with every single one of us. And there are two stages of leadership, right? There, there's the stage of leading self exceptionally well, and then there's the stage of leading others exceptionally well and so we can get in the process and get in focus and master both of those then we'll become the best leaders and teammates that we can possibly be so for me my main focus and my main vision is to equip our student athletes with the best leadership belief sets mindsets skill sets and tool sets so that they can succeed now here at ing but then also when they leave ing and they go to the next level and then even after that when they go and have families have wives, have kids, they can still use some of these things as leaders inside of their families. So provide kind of the audience an example, like how do you, yeah. how do you essentially do that? Like, is that in a workshop? Do you do it one-on-one on the field? Like yeah. how, how do you present those types of skills or information for the athletes and then take that with them wherever they're going to go, whether Absolutely. it's right, right now in the now, or like you said, like going on into the future into their next, it could be college, or I know you've worked with, you know, baseball there you had guys who just got drafted so like yep. kind of give us a rundown on that absolutely so we have four different delivery models we've got the workshop model we've got the one-on-one -on -one coaching model we've got the live coaching model where i'm out there on the field in the dugout during practices and games saying hey this is a situation where you could potentially lead and go and encourage one of your teammates whose head is down right now this is one of those situations that you can actually put into practice that's always going to benefit you in the future and then We've got, um, yeah, we've got the one-on-one -on -one process. And I think for me, it's, it's a matter of meeting the kids and our student athletes where they are. So essentially first asking, hey, how many of you believe you're an actual leader? Typically, if I ask that in a room of 200 people, we'll have around, let's say 40 to 50% raise their hand. And so when I know that, my goal is to get that other 40 to 50% to raise their hand by the end of the year. Because the truth is, we're all leaders. We just haven't been taught that way. The old school model is, hey, there are leaders and there are followers. Yep. But the new school model is there are leaders who learn from other leaders and who lead other leaders. If we all view ourselves as leaders and understand our strengths that we have, it'll empower each and every one of us to lead in our own sense. Yeah, no, and me and you had this discussion before as well. It's like, I'm not a leader who's going to be like the first one in front of everybody or like be the big yelling, loud, screaming individual, but like, yeah, I can, yeah. I can lead by example, or like exactly. I can be someone who does all the right things, organized, has certain skills that maybe that top leader doesn't have. So it's like, exactly. what can I do to complement my own group of individuals that I work with? Um, yeah. Or again, in that case, right. Kind of take stuff from you or take stuff from other leaders that I've learned from. And how do I see those individuals or athletes that I work with that I can see that aren't going to be the one that's going to step up and be that exactly. big, loud, boisterous kind of personality and be able to Absolutely. let the other one knows that, hey, you may not be that person, but there's other ways you can lead on this team that's going to exactly. essentially help, again, which, which is the unit overall. Yes. Like, you don't yes. want to be a one-trick pony, like I said a couple of times in the podcast before. You want to be able to offer 
multiple skills to your team. Multiple skills, absolutely. And to that point, there are two kind of different phases of leadership, right? You've got people who are naturally great leaders by example. You've also got a set of people who are naturally great vocal leaders. Now, if I know I have a guy who's a great vocal leader, typically they struggle with leading by example. Right. And so I'm going to go over here in this phase and say, hey, here's what I want you to work on. If I've got a guy who leads by example, naturally, I'm going to challenge him to step outside of his comfort zone and become a better vocal leader. Right. And when it comes to communication, there's this um, there's this tool in the leadership industry called the disc profile. And what it teaches you is the different styles of people. So basically four styles of people. Um, excuse me, for, for communication styles. It's actually not a personality assessment. It's more of a behavioral assessment. These things that we see in other people, they're actually visible. Um, so you've got the D, you've got the I, you've got the S, and you've got the C. And I'll give this to your audience just to go and Google it yourselves. Google disk profile and just start to understand what this means. Take a few, Take a few of the free assessments online and see where you sit. But then when you see what you said and you see your results, I want you to ask yourself a, a specific question. I want you to ask yourself, what are the strengths that I have? And then what are the, some of the weaknesses that I can improve on? And I want you to look through this, look at this disc profile through the leadership frame. Like the strengths that you have, these are strengths that are gonna help you to lead. These are natural strengths that you have already. The things that you feel like, the things that it shows you that you know, you're struggling with or maybe are a weakness, Look through the frame of the leadership of the leadership process. Hey, how can I improve with these things to improve my leadership style and improve my overall leadership skills? Now, when you're providing these these skills to the yeah. athletes, have, have you felt that doing it individually has made more of a benefit doing it in a group setting like a classroom yeah. or directly on the field? Or do all of them kind of have a place when it comes to teaching these skills? All of them have a place. But if I were to rank um, the top one, it'd definitely be the live coaching process because there's nothing better than being able to show a guy or show a girl in that specific practice or in that specific game, go over and whisper to him, hey, this right here is a situation where you can practice your leadership skills. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to go and do A, B, and C. Go do it. See the results that you get from it. Come back over here. We'll debrief it. I think live and in the moment correction in practice, in coaching, in modeling, in teaching, and mentorship is the best that could possibly exist. And again, like we were saying before, like nowhere else in the world, nowhere else on the globe, are there leadership coaches at the high school level? Yeah, it's unheard of. Nowhere. So it's, it's just like it's so just it's like mental conditioning coaches there. I mean, that was the same exactly. thing. Exactly. Like when people hear IMG Academy mental conditioning, right? It's a big deal because you go to many other places and they barely even have one person. It's like exactly. When I was there, when you're there, I mean, I think it's, I don't know, 12 to 15 people. And that's yep. insane to have that many practitioners in one place to be able to provide those, those skill sets. Exactly. And it's interesting because um, just like we said before, there's nowhere else in the world where things like this are taking place. Typically, you have consultants come in for one or two days and that's it. But we're here every single day through the, through the trenches with our student athletes and with our coaches, too. There's a lot of leadership coaching that goes on with our coaches, helping build culture and those kind of things. But we're here in the trenches with them day after day, week after week, month after month, helping them to become better. And over a course of time, what you'll see is this specific athlete who started at point B, who started at point A, excuse me, like over a course of time, he'll get to point B and he'll be like, oh, my goodness. I didn't even know this was possible for myself and see watching those aha moments take place, watching those breakthrough moments take place. That's the most fulfilling thing in the world as a coach. Do you see a lot of the 
consulting kind of going to the wayside and more teams are starting to actually invest and hire more full-time performance staff, whether it's mental or leadership, or in my case, I I've seen a huge rise in people hiring sports nutrition or yeah. uh, performance chefs in general has become a huge trend that we've seen lately. Like, do you see that Absolutely. starting to happen more? Absolutely. I think everything is on the rise. Everything. When you talked about the nutrition coaches, when you talk about mental conditioning coaches, when you talk about leadership coaches, I say our industry is probably, uh, it's probably the most far behind, which for me makes it the most challenging and the most fun because this past year, like, I mean, we did so many different things that were, have never been done before in the history of leadership coaching, not just here in APD, but also around the world. Like one of our, um, our, our national team, you know, I got an opportunity to, to coach first base. I mean, that's how integrated we were into the process. And so the more in my brain, the more I can do things like that, we can break barriers like that, the more it'll open up a pathway for the people who come in the future. Now, do you see with our athletes kind of coming up and through with this kind of generation, you know, obviously every yeah. generation is a little bit different. Yeah. Um, do you feel that it's more challenging, like where that you have to get a quick result with them? So like the live and being there and doing it right on hand yeah. is more pertinent because they get to see a faster result versus maybe some of the stuff we've done in the past. Yeah, I think, the generation that we're coaching, the generation that we're focusing on, it's very important for us to focus on adapting to them, especially as coaches. They do like to see quick wins. So we have to set up their development process so that they can see quick wins throughout the process of getting those long-term ingrained and embedded wins becoming who they are, right? So I do think that's a, uh, that's a part of the process. But I think as coaches, we have to be open to understanding how they receive information, how they like to learn, how they they like to win and then we adapt to them the biggest problem that i see is when coaches try and make uh try and get some of these athletes to adapt to themselves we got to meet them where they are when we meet them where they are they're going to take it in more they're going to be more bought in they're going to go and put our stuff into practice more and they're going to see more long-term and short-term wins at the end of the day yeah the worst thing we want to do is just talk at them <laughs> exactly they don't want to they don't want to be exactly. talked at. They don't want to be told what to do. Like you have to do it alongside with them. And then they yes. have to be able to trust and know that you're going to be there not only for the short, short term, but also for the long, the long term. term so that they, you know, it's almost kind of like the same was like, well, you need to invest in me so I can help you. But it's almost kind of the point now it's like, well, you need to almost prove to me that you're going to invest in me for me to then trust you to be able to do what you essentially want me to do. Exactly. That makes they need sense. to know. Absolutely. They need to know from the very beginning that, that we care about them deeply. Not only that we care about them, but that we can also be trusted. Not only that we can be trusted, but also that we're dedicated. Not only that we can be dedicated, but also that we have the knowledge and information that can get them to the places and achieve the goals that they want to achieve. So I agree with you 100%. And I think that's going to be a common a common trend on this podcast that I've already heard through the episodes that have recorded is just care, trust, and relationships. And I think, yeah. you know, whoever the practitioner is on here is probably going to echo those things over and over and over. So if there's one thing that anybody takes for any of these podcasts, it's probably those three things. So if you could figure out how to invest in the athlete first and foremost, and, you know, take a step back and just figure out how they learn, how they function, what their environment they're coming from is, you know, that's going to push you in a lot better success than coming in and just think you're going to have this, you know, tyrant mentality or think that you're going to be exactly. running the show and doing stuff your way. I mean, it just isn't like that anymore. And athletes don't, don't want to receive it in that manner. 
Now, absolutely, to, to a certain extent, you have to be stern and like you have to separate yourself and like you are the leadership coach or you are the you know actual sport coach, right? And there needs to be some separation there and some respect. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so one of the next things I want to ask you is you know being in the environment that you're in, yeah, how do you work with an interdisciplinary staff on a daily basis yes. and and why is that important? Um, versus sometimes we see a lot of some staffs will just kind of like work on their own little niches and maybe the communication isn't there, or isn't integrated as good as it could be to help the athlete. Absolutely. Well, I think it's, it comes down to the student athlete experience. If everybody in every department is on the same page and we know what each other is doing, now we can integrate in a way that delivers a high quality experience to our student athletes. And at the end of the day, the result of that will be they'll get better um, faster, quicker, and it'll stick more and it'll last them a long time. So I think it's just a matter of really focusing on how we can continue to collaborate across departments and keep everybody, it's just the over communication conversation, right? Mm -hmm. Like if you see an athlete, so if I were in a workshop and one of the questions that I ask at the end of the workshop would we do goal setting, they're like, hey, Coach Diamond, like I want to become better with, with my nutrition. I want to become better with how I fuel, with how I hydrate then I see that inside of those post, inside of the post-workshop process that you know, you know a lot about. And I'm going to go and share that with our nutrition coaches, whoever works with that specific athlete. And so gathering that information, it goes back to what I said before. It's a matter of meeting them where they are, really getting an in-depth understanding of what they want and what they need, and then shooting them over to the person who can deliver those results to them and work with them throughout the process. Yeah, and I think that, you know, sometimes you get into situations where people almost want to like, hide all the information they know or hide even hide the knowledge that they know and it's like at the end of the day it's it's to benefit the team and the athletes so it's like no, and at the end of the day nothing you're doing is going to be fancier than any other person at, that, that does it as a practitioner it's just basically how you you execute it absolutely you could teach all the skills to a hundred different leadership coaches but if yep. they don't have the ability to get it across to the athlete in the way that you do that doesn't mean that any of the information essentially is going to be useful at the end of the day Absolutely. For me, it comes down to a key framework, right? Like it's the framework, it's the knowledge, it's the information, plus the fire that you bring, the passion, the care, the, um, the drive that you bring. When you combine those two things together, when you combine framework and fire together, now that student athlete is not just going to be energized by the conversations and things that you teach, but now they're going to be all in. And they're going to be willing to go and share that information with other people, some of their teammates, some of their coaches. We want them excited about the things that we teach. Um, so I agree with you 100%. And the athletes feed off of that energy, you know? Oh, yeah. I'm sure you could talk about body language. Body language is, is a huge, huge component. I mean, I, I tell the guys here all the time is I can tell as soon as you walk in, if you didn't sleep good, if something's going on back at, you know, the flats or the dorms or wherever yep. essentially they're staying, like, I'm going to know pretty quickly. And I'm yeah. probably going to come and ask you. And if I don't ask you, someone else is going to ask you, or we're just going to watch you play. And we're going to know pretty quickly something's going on because either coach is going to be getting on you more. They're going to say, you're not doing stuff how you're supposed to. You're not listening. And it's not because you're not a good player at your respected sport. It's because you didn't put time into the things that are going to have a direct effect on your performance. And now it's exactly. just performance. And now you're not able to give a hundred percent like you say you want to, or like the coach wants you to. Absolutely. So, like that's where it's like, you got to hit them in that moment because, you know, hopefully they don't want to feel like that again. They don't want to get ragged yeah. on like that again. And they don't want the coach yeah. to be on the 24 seven, which then hopefully helps as a practitioner to come in there and get some of that information in 
to again, that quick instant kind of feedback and that quick fit yeah. so that, Hey, you've been doing it your way for X amount of years. Just try Absolutely. this for a day or two. If this makes a difference, then we're on to something and just keep going, ask more questions. If it doesn't, then I guess I don't have any, I don't have any clue what I'm talking about at the end of the day. Yeah. And a cool thing that, that I think of when you're sharing this information is a man um, who was a great mentor to me over this past man, um, year and a half, a man by the name of Charles Gooch, who unfortunately passed away a few months ago. He used to always talk about edutainment, right? It's the combination of education and entertainment. And when we can get an idea walking into a workshop, he taught me this and I use this every single workshop when our kids come in, our athletes, our coaches come in, just ask a quick question. Hey, where's your energy level on the scale of one to 10 right now? And they'll be honest. Some of them will say, I'm at a five, I'm at a six, I'm at a seven. Maybe some of them are at a three. But what that tells us is that we have to bring even that much more fire to the content that we're going to share with them and that we want them to retain and use and put into practice so that we can also bring their energy up. I mean, it's one of the things that I teach inside of the leadership conversation. I mean, our energy is contagious. And so if we take that responsibility as coaches and we understand that and we can take that edutainment process and really drive that home with how we teach and how we deliver, it's going to make the overall experience better for us and them. Yeah. And just to go off, I mean, it's just around Gooch. I mean, he was a great individual. I mean, I'm, I'm an individual that comes in every single morning, and gets there really early, likes to be prepared, yeah. organized. Um, you know, he'd even beat me in at times. My first, my first one or two years there, he'd be in his office. He'd be jamming the music at five, yeah. six o'clock in the morning, yeah. screaming and yelling and Absolutely. singing. And just like, yeah, it's just like he needed that so that he started his day off positively, high exactly. energy. And it's almost exactly. like it was like an energizer burning. Like after he did that for that 30 to 60 minutes, yeah. then he was set and ready to go for the day. For and, the rest of the day. And everybody's going to have a little bit different way where they energize themselves or kind of prep themselves for the day. Yeah. But you know, that was one key thing that I, I definitely noticed for him. And when he didn't do that, you know, he still was high energy, but he was a yeah. little bit kind of different from day to day. But absolutely, you know, that was always one key thing I remember from him. I mean, he always, always took time to you know come around to, to staff and the athletes. Yeah. And he took a lot of time to ask people how they were doing, sit down and have mm -hmm. a conversation. Um, I, I think that's something that's missing nowadays. It's just the quick yeah. text, the quick emails, really impersonal. Yeah. Um, so that's another reason why I like to do these podcasts is I like to talk to professionals. I know we're not in person face to face, um, but to be able to have these conversations. So that way, you know, not only can someone else learn from them, but then hopefully yeah. take this information back to their practice or their department. And then, you know, who knows out of nowhere, Hey, we'd like to have diamond come and talk to us. We'd like to have Sean come and talk to us and just Absolutely. sit down and have, you know, a genuine real conversation and trying to help make each other better. And then again, help ultimately help serve and improve the athlete at the end of the day. And that's kind of my overall arching goal in yeah. one of my big passions in life. And then just one of my reasons why I kind of started this podcast too. Yeah. It's amazing to see you doing this work, man. Um, the conversations that we've had in the past, the high level conversations that we had while you were here, man, I miss those. Um, you're one of a kind, Sean. I appreciate that. Yeah. Now talking about communication and conversations, yeah, talk about it. Let's do there's, it. there's a lot of people in athletics that are, um, you know, a personalities, boisterous, yeah. loud, yeah, yeah, yeah. dominant in their demeanor. Absolutely. You know, how do you have those, those challenging conversations when maybe they're not always going to be a hundred percent agreements with you, or they want to do yeah. certain stuff their way. Cause they've, they've done yeah. it for a long period of time and they've had success at the highest levels. Like, how do you have those, yeah. those conversations? 
two things come to mind. Number one, the disc profile, study it. Number two, focusing on having productive conflict. Uh, so I'll start with number one, the disc profile. If you know somebody's disc profile, you'll kind of get an understanding of how they will approach a conversation with you around a specific topic, right? So if I know I'm having a conversation with a D, I know he wants to be in control. I know he wants to get to the bottom line results. I know he's pretty confident in everything that he does. Um, if I'm having a conversation with an I, somebody like Gooch, super bouncy, super all over the place. Hey, how you doing today? You doing great? Um, I know that there's going to be, like I may have to reel them back in in the conversation and focus on, um, focus on that key reason why we're there because they love to tell stories and they're people people. Um, and if I'm having a conversation with an S, I know they're gonna be a little bit more quiet, a little bit more laid back, a little bit more, hey, how can we do this together? Right. And if I don't have I'm having a conversation with a C, they're going to be more calculated. They're going to want to know the research and the facts behind what we're talking about. So if you know who you're having a conversation with or a meeting with, you can go into the conversation prepared to adapt to their style in order to build rapport and come to the best conclusion that's possible. And I also think that so that's number one. OK, number two is focusing on. Um, being okay with having productive conflict like it's okay to disagree i think especially in the workplace as long as it's around a common goal and we're focusing on how can we make something better or make a winning difference inside of our student athletes life it's okay to disagree but we've got to learn as a society um, as different industries to have productive conflict in the moment not take anything personally but stay yeah. focused on the end result that we're striving for that way collective ideas can be bounced off of each other kind of war room style like hey i've got this idea around this somebody can say no i don't think that'll work because a b and c you don't take it personally but you're like okay that makes sense and what, what about this what about this and when you can create an environment where everybody's comfortable with productive and focusing on productive conflict now you come to solutions that maybe you couldn't have come to before yeah and i would say i mean and you know who this is like coach dylan that we worked with um oh, he, yeah. worked, he worked with us with football there and oh yeah he had a very unique ability to turn it on turn it off be able yeah. to give criticism but you know he was also able to put his arm around you and tell you like, Hey, mm. here's, here's the reason why. And a lot of times athletes yeah. just want to know, why are you saying this? Why are you doing this? And if you're able to come at them with that, then for the most part, then they're not going to take the anger or other exactly. emotions with them after they get done with a session or depending on whatever it was, right? Exactly. Hey, sorry, I got on you today, but like, this is what I'm seeing. And this is what you need to improve. And Absolutely. I'm going to keep getting on you because I care about you exactly right. that's it right there and, and I, I care about you so much that i'm willing to get on you and to say something because yes. it's important and that i think that you're a really special individual and yes. i don't i don't think there's tons of people who are able to do that but like seeing that firsthand even yes. the same thing with staff like again you know we'd have meetings and there'd be a lot of again conflictive conversations or stuff that we yeah. talk about that yeah most people would take and be like oh man that person's a jerk but again at the yeah. end of the meeting he's like I love all of you. I'm not trying to say this to exactly. come off or be this certain way. I just think right now as a group, you know, not just strength or whatever it is, like right now as a group, I think this is where we are. We need to be the best possible A team that we can be. And this needs to improve. And if I'm wrong, Absolutely. give me feedback. I'm open for feedback and then vice versa. Absolutely. And to your point, it's coming from a foundation of, hey, I believe in you. Mm -hmm. Hey, I care about you. 
And when the person who you're having a conversation with knows that, and that's coming from a place of roots, that's who you are. Mm -hmm. They're going to be more open and receptive to everything that you share with them. Right. And I think it's learnable. Like it's something that can be taught. It's not something you're born with. It's something that should be taught throughout the course of our professional careers to come from a place of love, to come from a place of belief, to come from a place of care. Now, when that student athletes know you're coming from, when that student athlete knows you're coming from those three places, they're going to be like, oh, coach, coach me up. I got you. Even though, even though I didn't like how you said it, I still heard what you said. And I'm still going to go and put it into practice because I know you love me. I know you care about me. I know you believe in me. Yeah, and getting athletes to be able to see through that not have like, oh, he's raising his voice or talking like this, boom, here comes the shield. Yep. And I'm gonna get defensive and feel a certain way. It's like, no, take the shield down. Mm-hmm. What is he really saying behind the message? Absolutely. Not, he's, he's attacking me, he's targeting me. It's not that. What is he saying behind it that has more higher meaning than what I'm initially taking from it? So like, instead of being reactive, take five, 10 seconds. Okay, what is he really saying? And then think about how you can possibly change that scenario. Because if not, that whole workout session, that whole training session, maybe if it even if it's a game, can just get thrown out the window. It can be absolutely because now you're in this whole totally different mindset that's throwing you off, and now you're not focused on what's at hand for that specific day. Absolutely agree with you one hundred percent. So, a couple more questions as they're kind of winding down here. Um, First one is, what is maybe one or two things within the field of leadership that you feel needs to improve in your field or needs to be better to progress your field forward, let's say within athletics. Absolutely. I think um, being able to focus on tracking specific characteristics throughout the course of a year um, with our student athletes will be groundbreaking, which is something that we're focusing on this upcoming fall right? And continuing to be innovative with how we integrate with sports. I think, you know, understanding the industry, um, there's no other leadership department at the high school level. There's no other leadership coaches who are, um, who are coaching first base and who have built that kind of trust and those kind of relationships with coaches at the high school level. Um, so I think first, that's where the industry should start. How can we integrate better? Um, the second place is how can we innovate better? We know that the sports industry is data-driven. Now, we also know that leadership is an intangible. It's something that you can't actually put quantifiable numbers to, but if we can throw some numbers up there in any way, shape, form, or fashion, that will allow us to give, um, uh, that will allow us to give us a, a view um, of where our student athletes feel like they are when it comes to, let's say, holding themselves accountable and then holding others accountable. And they rank themselves on a scale of one to 10 every other week saying, hey, this past week, you know, I felt like on a scale of one to 10, I did a really good job of holding myself accountable. I'm going to give myself a seven. But when it came to, um, when it came to holding others accountable, ah, I was at a three. That allows me to follow up with that kid. And, and it's interesting, you know, you, you have a lot of different objections that come up when, you know, when I talk about things like this, well, oh, the, the, uh, the data is not necessarily objective, but fine. 
but that's not the goal. The goal is to help them build self-awareness on where they are with these specific characteristics that we want them to grow within to the point where they're looking at it every single week. If accountability is our big thing that we want to focus on inside of a sport program, inside of a team, hey, we're going to have our athletes do that every single week. Take two to three minutes to answer this simple questionnaire that says, hey, where are you with leading yourself and holding yourself accountable? Where are you with holding others accountable? Because we know in the leadership industry and as student athletes and as men and as leaders, this is important and it's always gonna be important throughout our, throughout our whole lives. So we can get them focusing on those things now and then we can put it inside of an AMS system, SmartaBase, and see that week to week and communicate that with coaches. Hey, this guy feels like he's here withholding others accountable. Coach him up and reinforce this specific principle throughout the course of the week. Hey. You know, I go and have a conversation with the director. Here's where our whole program is when it comes to holding themselves accountable and holding others accountable. We know that's important to us as a program. So here's what we should focus on over the next week. And of course, you're going to have those kids and have those guys who are putting all threes, all sevens. But if you see that, it can be flagged and I can go follow up with them and say, hey, I need you to take this seriously. This is for your own development. You know, I love you. You know, I care about you. You know, I believe in you. So if you just continue to go all in with this, I promise you, you're going to see some great results at the end of this fall, at the end of the spring. And so it's just going to be a matter of focusing on innovating and doing things like that as a start. And I think everybody again wants that 1%. So even if it like, it provides us some type of correlation and we're seeing okay. some type of trend, like if I'm interjecting, providing this information, this skill and this change, and that's happening amongst X surplus or X number of athletes, right? Eventually, like it's going to have, you know, it may not be research proven, but we know, right? there's a lot of stuff that isn't research proven that people have done in practice, but the research is always going to be several years behind. So it's like, unless gotcha. we, and I think the key word there is experiment or try, if we don't ever do those two things, then nothing's really going to ever move forward and, and progress Absolutely. in the way that we want to. Um, yes. So that's why it's like, we, you have to think outside the box. You just have to try stuff with a couple players, maybe one yeah. team, see if it works. If it doesn't, Hey, at least I, I gave it a whirl and I'm gave trying to yeah, I'm trying to do something that's different from the norm that could possibly have a benefit for us. If it does have a benefit, great. If it doesn't, let's go back to the drawing board and kind of do something from there. Exactly. And it's into what you're saying is it's the innovation mindset versus the let's keep things the same mindset. You know, you have people who are like, oh, no, that I don't know if that'll work because of A, B and C and D. But no, what if we actually think about it from an innovative perspective and say, well, if we do this, this could potentially happen. This could potentially happen. This could potentially happen. This could potentially happen, which will always be positive outcomes. So let's go ahead and be willing to take that innovative risk, not just for ourselves as practitioners, but most importantly, if it can develop and help our student athletes now and in the future, we should definitely take risks like this, right? And so I think it just comes down to that innovative mindset versus the keeping things the same mindset. And you're always gonna have people who are like, oh, that's never worked, let's keep things the same. We've always done it this way. But if we wanna to continue to improve as practitioners, as an industry, we've gotta be willing to step outside of the box and be creative and be innovative and do things that you know other people around the world aren't even thinking about. Yeah. And, and those people with the closed mindsets, there'll be enough growth mindset where those kind of wither out oh. at the end of the day anyways. Absolutely. Um, last question I have for you, You know, we got about, we got about four minutes left. Um, it's a little bit different than I do compared to other podcasts. What yeah. is maybe one or two people within the leadership realm yeah. that you would recommend to the audience that you feel they should follow, DM yeah. and go talk to, 
watch the videos? Like what are one or two people that you would say, like, these are the for sure top leaderships or top mentors in my eyes that you need to go to listen to them like right now. Oof. Our brain is working right now. It's like, a, it's like, you know, in the matrix when it's like all of these, all of these numbers start coming like, yeah, I'm thinking like, of so many, like that. <laughs> let me, let me specify, let me specify. Are we talking to coaches here? Am I giving this information to coaches? Am I giving this information to execs? Am I giving this information to student athletes? Who's, who's, who are we just, talking to? Just uh, again, an overall brain, like what are one yeah. or two people that could touch a plethora of different Absolutely. people? When it comes to leadership, um, I'd say John C. Maxwell, specifically starting off with the book, 360 Degree Leader. John C. Maxwell, 360 Degree Leader for any age, any gender, any religious background, any sport, any industry, what he talks about and shares in this book will be relevant. And if you put these things into practice and you treat it not like, oh, this is just a book I'm going to read, but you treat it like it's a, th a thesaurus and you're always going back to it for information, man, it could absolutely change the game. So I read this book when I was 15, 16 years old. Um, and it absolutely changed my game as a leader. I mean, I credit, I credit John C. Maxwell in this book specifically to me being a team captain almost at every level that I played at and every team that I played on um, because I was always applying these principles. And to give you a quick, a quick, uh, a quick uh, summary of what he talks about, um, he talks about leading up, leading across, and leading down. And the best way to do that and leading from the middle ultimately because unless, unless I'm a CEO, unless I'm at the very top of the chain, unless I'm a head coach, excuse me, not even a head coach, unless I'm a director, like you're leading, and even directors, they're still leading from the middle, right? So mm -hmm. it really focuses on leading from the middle, leading up, leading across and leading down. And I promise if you take this information and you put it into practice as you're looking at me, making eye contact, eye contact with me right now, I promise you, <laughs> it will absolutely change the game for you right now inside of your life. Awesome. Well, Diamond, I really appreciate you coming on, taking the time to talk to the audience. I think there's a lot of nuggets or knowledge bombs in here, as I always call oh, yeah. it, that people are going to take from this. Um, Absolutely. So audience, what I'm going to basically do is I'm going to get a bio from him. I'm going to get how you can be able to contact him. Um, and that way, if you want to reach out to him and have this kind of organic conversation like we did yeah. today and be able to improve your knowledge and skills on leadership, or I know he also has, you know, also they kind of coincide together with, with mental as well. Um, you'll be able to obviously have those discussions with him. And again, he's very open. He's always up for a conversation, a talk, a oh, FaceTime, yeah. a Zoom call, um, whatever it specifically is. So again, really appreciate you coming on and I hope you have an awesome rest of your day. Appreciate you too, Sean.